We stay together. We survive. We survive. What we've got here is failure to communicate. Communicate. Stick together. Stick together. In the name of unit cohesion. 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 You are listening to the Cohesion Podcast. Actionable tips from internal comms leaders on how to improve your company's employee experience. This episode features an interview with Lexi Clark, Chief HR Officer at Payscale, a compensation management platform. Lexi leads the company's internal HR strategies for over 600 employees around the world. With over 14 years of experience at companies like Convoy, Redfin, and Boeing, she is an expert in people-first HR leadership, workforce growth strategy, and compensation best practices. In this episode, Amanda sits down with Lexi to discuss pay transparency, measuring your worth as an employee, and discussing salary in the interview process. Before we dive into the interview, here's a brief word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Simpler, the leading AI-powered employee experience platform. We are on a mission to transform the work experience for billions of people across the world. Organizations use our products to deliver personalized experiences that inspire and engage their employees. When work is good, life is better. Learn more at simpler.com. That's S-I-M-P-P-L-R.com. Without further ado, please enjoy this conversation between Lexi Clark, Chief HR Officer at Payscale, and your host, Amanda Berry, Corporate Brand and Communications Manager at Simpler. Lexi, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to have you here. This is something we don't we haven't really talked about yet on cohesion is pay. And you sort of live and work in the epicenter of pay and salaries. And so I'm super excited to dive into that today. But I do just want to actually just jump right in here. There's been a lot of talk, especially over the past few years, about pay transparency, right? I've traveled, as I travel, I see billboards that say like, if the pay is so competitive, then why don't you tell us what it is, right? Pay is just becoming so much more talked about as employees are looking for roles. And what we've seen is this has been a taboo subject, and we being employees in the past, and now it's slowly becoming encouraged and even demanded among employees Growing up, I always heard, don't talk about pay, religion, and politics. And as we all know, all of those are now very front and center. So what is this trend towards talking openly about salaries? Yeah, it's so interesting. I I think it's a combination of a couple different factors. I think there's, you know, some of the obvious, which is the last kind of year or so, or a little bit longer than that, there is emerging legislation, right? So you look at states like Colorado and California, Washington State, New York, all of those have really passed that kind of pay transparency legislation. And I think that generates more discussion. I think it also generates kind of more availability of pay data just in the public domain. You look at technology and you see all of these different companies. I think you're talking about offers really publicly. People are trying to figure out kind of, is this offer that I'm getting the right amount of money? Is this my value within the market? But I think that that's almost generational a little bit. You look at millennials and Gen Z especially Gen Z, you've seen like challenging pay secrecy and really pushing for that transparency. I look at trends on TikTok or any of those salary transparency street. We're really just talking about it in more tech forums, social media, all of those things. I think that's generating so much discussion. 
I think even at a higher level, there's just this interesting HR and compensation as an industry has gone through this continued kind of evolution, especially the last few years. You look at what we went through in 2020, right? You're hearing kind of HR leaders, chief people officers, whoever that is, there's more demanded of them and their teams than ever. And I think that so much of what we're seeing kind of evolve in HR and compensation is that strategic push, right? We're not focused on compliance and the things that you're used to HR focusing on in the past. We're really driving more transparent conversation and responding, I think, to a lot of kind of what employees are asking for. So it's so many different pieces, I think. But it's this interesting kind of mix of you've got you know some of the just kind of tactical needs that companies are having to comply with the legislation. But there's this larger theme, I think, that's like generational, the evolution. Like, it's really, really interesting. And do you have any understanding why, with all the research you do at Payscale, why employees haven't been comfortable? They still aren't comfortable talking openly about salaries. Yeah. We don't have, you know, specific kind of research in terms of percentages, but I do think there's historically kind of that culture of pay secrecy was so fostered, right? Like in the workplace. And I think that really stifled open conversations about pay. I go back to exactly what you said, right? It used to be a thing not to talk about compensation and how much money you made. You go all the way back, I think there used to be kind of pay secrecy clauses included in people's employment contracts and, you know, part of organizational policies that really prohibited people from disclosing pay or talking about kind of what, you know, you might earn compared to other workers around you. So I think under any conditions where disclosing how much you're making or you're earning could lead to disciplinary action within your company, those things are scary. And I think that you know, really impacted kind of the comfort level of people talking about or not talking about salaries internally or externally. Yeah. So let's flip that script a little bit. Job candidates want pay transparency, right? I'm seeing all over Reddit and social media. So why aren't employees more readily giving that information in job postings? Yeah. I think there's a couple things. The headline is, I think it's hard, right? I think there's a heavy lift. It can be really time-consuming and costly, I think, for companies and organizations to figure out getting their house in order in order to be transparent, right, about having those conversations. I think there is a fear, like just an inherent fear that companies can't compete maybe with larger companies that might offer larger salaries, right? You look at some of the big tech companies that can offer some of those big dollar amounts. I think companies are scared, right? What if I list something and And people are like, no, there's no way I'm going to apply anymore because I'm going to go for kind of a a larger dollar amount that I know these other companies can offer me. I think there's also just the inherent challenge of kind of what we just talked about, going from kind of this pay secrecy or a little bit of taboo of talking about pay to being really transparent. I think it's hard for teams to really figure out where to start. I mean, like it's challenging for communications to your employees. It's challenging to explain those decisions. It's a challenge, you know, internally, I think, to educate. And I think... HR and people teams are trying to figure out where to start, right? And some of it is getting like buy-in from the rest of their executive team. Some of it is a real plan to kind of educate leaders, educate your employees. We've done a lot of that internally, which has been super interesting, right? Both with kind of what we do as a company and kind of driving compensation, but also just the questions. You've got to feel really comfortable saying you don't know the answer or you haven't done that amount of work yet. It's going to be an uphill battle, I think, for the companies that were really in a place where they weren't transparent before. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it is some of that generational people leading the companies are still in that mindset of like, we don't talk about it, we don't put it out there. So you work at Payscale, right? Sort of the epicenter yes. of pay yeah. data and understanding yeah. pay. So what is Payscale doing to help this trend towards better pay transparency? I love this question. I think there's probably two things. There's probably like the employer and kind of company lens, and then there's probably the employee and candidate lens. 
you know, for employers from a company perspective, Payscale's real mission is kind of we are the leading provider in compensation data, software, and kind of services, and helping organizations really kind of drive to understanding their compensation data, how to pay their employees, how to think about their compensation strategy. But we have a platform that enables kind of organizations to evaluate those comp strategies against the market, standardize any of those practices around pay. We've got, you know, 10,000 plus customers. More than half of those are of the Fortune 500. We price 27 million jobs annually. So, you know, it's really interesting, I think, all the things that we offer as kind of data software and services. From an employee point of view, one of the things that we offer is we've got this salary survey and it's a free online salary survey where employees or candidates can know their worth in the market. So they can go to our website, they can plug in anything about themselves, their years of experience, their certifications, anything like that. And they can ask the question like, what should my offer look like? What's my value in the market? And I think there is, you know, something really powerful there. If we look at our website, we've got, I think, close to 100 million visitors a year um, who kind of pay scale it, right? Like they're pay scaling themselves. And that gives us a really kind of good wealth of a crowdsource database where it's kind of one of its kind. And we've got, I think, 65 million salary profiles. So we've got kind of both the flip of we're helping companies figure out how to talk to their employees and really ground in that market data. But we're also helping employees figure out where to start, what data should they be looking at. And part of what's so hard about this conversation is just knowing where to begin and knowing the data that you should anchor the conversation to. I have to guess that our listener, a lot of the listeners right now are on payscale.com, plugging in their information. I hope so. I hope so. Go payscale yourself. Yes. Yeah. We need to turn that into a verb the way like Google is a verb. Like go Google it. Yeah, I pay well, scale I'm, I'm applying for this job. Well, did you pay scale it? <laughs> yes, I love this. I love it. I'm going to make t-shirts, I think. Pay yes, pay yes. yes. That's a good way to get your brand yeah. out there and get people on the for website. Sure. So your, your sure. could pay scale, which I think is awesome to be in the epicenter of pay transparency data and just the paid data. Tell us about what you do there. Yeah, I'm in the chief HR officer role at Payscale, which I like to say gives me the just like the best job. I have the job of focusing on our people. So I've got, you know, a great team of folks on our people team who they wake up every single day thinking about our internal employees and thinking about how to make their employee experience better. I'm really focused on understanding how to engage our employees, how to make sure that their employee experience all throughout their journey, whether they're just getting started with Payscale, whether they're well on their way, maybe they've been with us for a few years now. How do we make sure that we're giving them different experiences on their journey that give them different tools that they can use kind of whether or not they're sticking around at Payscale for kind of the long term or moving on to whatever that next opportunity looks like? It's interesting. I'm coming off, obviously, of a a conference with a lot of other CHROs and chief people officers. And we talked a lot about there is a change in the industry. Employees don't stay at companies for 30 plus years anymore. Like that is definitely a generational shift. So that means the core job of heads of HR, heads of people teams is to really make sure that the time that they spend with the company is meaningful. It gives them really powerful tools, ways to like learn new skill sets, develop in different ways and make sure that they have a great experience while they're with us, but that they can really use that down the road in wherever kind of their career will take them next. So I think that is, you know, the core of kind of what I wake up every morning worrying about and thinking about. And then I think the opportunity also to do kind of HR at an HR company is kind of kick ass, right? Like I get to talk to our internal employees all the time. I also get to do things like this where I'm just talking about the changes in the industry and what companies are challenged with and getting to talk to my other peers at other companies. And that's really exciting. It is a really cool opportunity. 
Let me ask this. This just came to me when you were talking about employees leaving, right? I was just talking to someone not an hour ago about how I used to work at a company that was cradle to grave. You started there and then you retired there. The reason I wanted to talk about pay is because it is a part, it's a big part of the employee experience. It's the reason a lot of people end up leaving their role. You get a a big bump, so you go somewhere else. Well, then the company that has the opening, right? Now they have to advertise for that role. And for those who then say, well, we can't pay someone the amount we were paying them because that's not enough. No one's going to come here. So then they have to bump that salary up to match the market demand. Why do you think companies aren't just like keeping an eye on those figures? Like rather than lose that company, you know, and get your 3% raise every year, why aren't they saying, hey, the market for this role says it's actually 9%. We need to adjust for market and inflation, all those, all those issues, because it feels as if, especially with the inflation we've just been seeing over the past year or so, it's been talked about, right? Companies aren't matching that. So people have to leave. And then companies are losing real talent. Why do you think companies aren't being more willing to do market adjustments? This is going to be such an HR answer that I'm going to give you, but then I'll I'll go deeper on it, which is it depends. And I think it depends on a couple different things. And some of it is industry-specific. Some of it is company-specific. What are they going through? How are they financially performing? I think sometimes, especially right now, right, where we see we're coming out of this like mega white-hot market the last few years into a market where we're seeing layoffs in the news and the headlines really frequently. And I think that impacts the compensation conversations, right? And so I think it depends on kind of what the organization is going through. I also think it depends on where are they in their comp journey. And so often, I think about this a lot with just inherently what we do. How often are you looking at that market data? To your point, how often are you re-looking at the market data, especially in markets like this, where things can change in six months, things can change in 12 months. And so anchoring yourself to always understanding the market deeply into what are other companies offering, what are they paying, feeling really comfortable that you can be transparent and explain your comp strategy, which means maybe you don't pay the highest in cash, but maybe you've got some other really great offerings, like maybe you've got a great 401k match or things that could really weight differently in kind of the choosing of what people are looking for in that next role. I think it depends on some of those factors. But I think at the core of it, I would say companies need to get really clear on their comp strategy. They need to know that market data in and out and be able to have those really open conversations with employees and candidates. And if they can't, they got to start there. Because to your point, I think with all of this data being so available, people are starting to understand what other companies are paying. And they're asking the tough questions, right? What is our comp range? Why am I paid lower within that comp range? When do I get a raise? What is a market adjustment at this company? I always say the data will set you free, but it's true. Like I think that, you know, especially that market kind of compensation data, there is so much there that that should be your anchor for everything that you do. I want to use something you just said to move into story time. Welcome to story time. Story time. Story time. Let me tell you a story. You said employers need to be comfortable talking to candidates. This is another another conversation I've been hearing. You go into a job interview because the salary isn't listed in the job posting. I mean, everybody wants to know the salary. That is honestly probably everyone's first, like, what is the salary? But in an interview setting, I know as a candidate, you can struggle with that, right? If I ask about the salary, they're going to just think I'm here for the money, but I really am just here for the money, right? We have to, we have to have a job. <laughs> for all the people listening, probably will be job hunting 
a few more times in their life. How do you have that conversation at an interview with an employer who didn't list that salary in the posting? Some of this goes back to what we've been talking about. I think the shift from kind of the secrecy into kind of the full transparency, but it's uncomfortable regardless, right? You know, if you are talking to an organization and you're in kind of those initial interview stages, I think you can say, you know, I'm really excited about the opportunity to interview with this company. If and when we get to a place where we're discussing an offer to join within this position, I just want to know what are some of the things that you as an organization think about as it relates to an offer? What do you think about in terms of compensation? I think leading with curiosity and leading with that curious approach of just asking the questions is a fantastic place to start. And then again, having that data in your back pocket so that you can reference it and really understand for yourself, what is the market valuing for this role? And what am I as a candidate willing to take or not take? What's important to me? And what are some of those driving factors? Depending on where you are in your life, different pieces of that rewards package could be important to you, right? You know, if you're buying a home for the first time, it could be really important to really index heavily on cash. Whereas if you're at the stage in your life where you're starting a family or you're thinking about expanding your family or any of those pieces, you could be really zeroed in on leave benefits and what's the leave policy and what are some of the benefits that you offer to first-time parents or maybe people that are thinking about expanding their family. There can be different levers I think within that package that can be really important. And so starting with, I think, the curiosity and the question of really understanding where they stand from a company point of view can be a great place to start. Yeah, that's. I was thinking about that because I heard you say earlier about the use the word total compensation package. And I know personally, when I was younger, just getting my first job or two, the pay was the most important thing. And now that I'm a little bit older, not much, I really do look as a, as a total package. You know, paid time off, benefits, four hundred one k, been pay as a bonuses. So just thinking about that, you'd mentioned a few there, but you know, are there any others people should be thinking about when evaluating that? the pay and the total compensation packages. Yeah, absolutely. I think the ones that kind of stick out, obviously, are base pay, right? You should be zeroed in on kind of the base pay compensation. I think there's the other kind of cash components like bonus structure. So is there an annual or quarterly bonus offered? Maybe if it's a sales position, right? What's the commissions plan? What can I expect from a commissions plan? Equity is a big conversation, I think, depending on what the role is. If you are approaching an organization that offers equity, I think asking questions about that And then obviously the big ones like health insurance. And I think within that health insurance is so many other things. There's like the kind of straightforward medical vision dental, right? But then I think there's what's your leave policy, paid time off and sick time, things like PayScale is a remote first organization, right? And so for us, it's that flexibility is a huge part of our package, right? And the flexibility to work from home, but get together when and if you want to get together is really big. Fringe benefits, I think four-day work weeks are a big trend right now, right? We can only hope that picks up. <laughs> no, no. And then I think there's I think there's other questions like you should ask how often is compensation reviewed at the company? Whether or not cash is important to you right now, it could be important down the road, right? And understanding when you can expect as an employer or a candidate, when are you going to look at my pay again? And when are you going to make sure that I'm paid in line with market? And what does that look like for the organization? And what does that maybe room for growth look like as well? Progression, promotions, career advancement. I think all of those pieces are kind of considered as part of the total compensation package. You know, one of the questions I've always had about total compensation package is how much of that is negotiable? 
Because, you know, oftentimes you'll hear, maybe even not just like a C-suite level where you can negotiate an extra week of vacation if you don't have unlimited, or you can get more stock options or something like that. So how much of that can you actually negotiate with an employer? Yeah, I think it's a great question. I think that the standards kind of for negotiation, things around cash, right? Base compensation, bonuses, sign-on bonuses, if they're offered right at the start of of kind of employment or, or an offer with a new company. Some of those things I think are the easy levers for negotiation. There can be other pieces, but it depends on the comp strategy, right? So if you're maybe approaching an earlier organization, right? Maybe they're a startup and equity is really big for them. Equity might be negotiable. And so I think even asking up front, again, if and when we get to the offer stage, what are the levers that are up for negotiation in terms of the offer that you put in front of me? I always hope that it's you know a best offer and we're all aligned and it's a great news story kind of at the end. But I think asking the question of what levers are up for negotiation and what are just standard parts of the package can be really big. Again, it, it helps, I think, make that conversation a little more comfortable if and when you get to that offer stage. I'm going to move into our next segment, Getting Tactical. I'm trying to figure out tactics. And to be perfectly honest, I didn't have to worry about tactics too much. Here I am in charge and trying to say, why did you sleep through tactics? Tactics. So I worked for a public entity, like a, like a government public entity, and our salaries were posted every year by the local news media. So you could go in and see what your coworkers were making, you could see what someone at your level was making, maybe the same year experience. There was a lot of transparency so you could address it. I want to talk about if you could just pay equity. I know that this has been a conversation for decades, pay equity across gender and race. Some companies I work at, they say they're looking at it and they'll give bumps as needed, but you don't really know what's happening because there's not a lot of transparency. So can you talk about what that looks like, if companies are doing it, and how you would figure that out if you feel you're maybe not being paid equally to someone else, just maybe based on race or gender. It's a great question. I think such a relevant and powerful question with where we are on transparency, right? First and foremost, I think organizations are talking about it. I think they're trying to figure it out along with transparency seeing a job range and a posting is great. What are you doing with that job range? Who is in that job range at the company? How are you deciding where someone is in that job range? And so I think companies are thinking about it. I think that pay equity has always been a a part of organizations, but I think it's been a little bit more behind the scenes, to your point. Some companies are really comfortable being super transparent and publishing, you know, maybe annually or biannually what those pay equity results are internally with the company and their commitments to closing gaps, to fixing things, anything like that. If you are a candidate or an employee, you should ask your organization what they do about pay equity. How do they think about it? What's their commitment to pay equity? And what steps are they taking? I think if you are listening to this call and you have a question around how you stack up to someone in a similar type role, you should start by asking the question, whether that's directly to your manager or your leader or your HR team. How do you think about pay equity at the organization? But specifically, how do you think about my pay? And what are some of the factors that go into determining how I'm paid? Is it the years of experience I have? Is it my skills? Do you pay for performance? And how do those kind of equally weight to a merit-based increase or a promotion process? So I think really starting to understand what your company is doing, how they're thinking about it is key. I think asking about your own compensation, what are the factors that go in to kind of making those compensation decisions? 
And then if you think that there's a challenge or an issue and you're worried about it, or you find something out that makes you uncomfortable, whether that's based off of gender or race or ethnicity, find your HR team and have a really open conversation. And I think, again, that curiosity, I'm concerned, I'm worried, I see the market doing this, or I know that maybe another person in a similar type role might make more than me. I have some questions. I just don't understand it. And I want to understand what the answer is. I think, again, going back to kind of the theme of our conversation, right? This transparency, people are going to have to feel really comfortable having conversations anchored in how we make pay decisions. And, you know, if you are an employer or a candidate kind of listening in, having that curiosity, having those open dialogues and conversations with your manager, with the HR people team at the company is a really strong place to start. Yeah. And speaking of HR... I mean, your CHRO at pay scale, right? So you can't, you can't get much, much higher up on the totem pole right now. So let's speak to our, our HR and internal comms folks listening. You know, how do we weave pay transparency into our employee engagement and communication strategies? Yes, I think feeling comfortable that pay transparency is a journey and not a destination, which means you don't have to have all the answers right away and things could change along the way. So I think I'll use an example internally to pay scale. We've gone through so much change in the last few years. I joined in August of 2020. In 2021, we merged with pay factors. We went from 300, I think, to 600 overnight. We did another acquisition later in the year. We recently did another acquisition in the last six months. Change has been constant in the organization. And with change of incoming other companies, trying to figure out what works best for you, that means your compensation strategy and your approaches are evolving. The tactic I used was to be really open about the things that we're looking at, that we're thinking about, and our priorities, and the things that are just below the line, right? And below the line doesn't mean it's not important, but it might mean if you're a nature or comms person listening, that you just don't have the time. You have only a certain amount of hours in every day, every week, And so feel really comfortable being honest about, hey, we are thinking about base compensation and we're currently doing a market analysis and we're currently making sure that all of your compensation at the company aligns to that market data. And we're going to start there. And then we're going to build off of that. And then we'll do some of the other things that you're asking about, right? I think, you know, for us, it's about building a really strong foundation internally about being really open. If you are an HR and comms person, you know you get these questions in the all hands, right? Like you have employees asking you, what are we doing? I saw this article. What are we doing to address address that internally? And so I think feeling comfortable talking not only about compensation itself, but where you are in that process and having a project plan written down of, you know, what's your work back plan and where are you on the journey is really important. And I think feel really comfortable not giving the high level of like, oh, you know, maybe we're thinking about that. Just say when you are or not doing something, right? That resonates with people. No, we're not doing that this year. We'll absolutely consider it for future years. Or yes, we're actively working on it. Here's some of the things that you know we're thinking about and we'll share more once we're ready to. I think that really resonates for folks. HR and comm, we want to all always have the answer, right? Like we always want to give people the answer and we know that we want them to feel good and feel confident and have trust in us to continue to guide those conversations. They're going to feel confident and have trust in you if you are just honest and authentic about where you are. And I think that honesty and authenticity is a huge part of those transparency conversations. This topic to me is so important. You've alluded to some of this stuff, the question I'm about to ask you. But you can pay scale it. 
Is there something else, right, beyond that, that employee can do to measure their worth at their company? So they could go on a pay scale, they can put in the data, they can find what they're worth based on that. But then there's this other side of like internal company, like since pay isn't discussed and isn't transparent at a lot of places, how do you begin to measure then your worth at a company? Yeah. And you hit the nail on the head, I think, starting with really understanding kind of what the data says, right? Like understand what the market value is. I think that is so key to any of these conversations. But I think when it comes to your value within the organization, I think any of those review conversations, check-ins with your leader, your manager, skip-level conversations with a more senior leader in the organization, you can ask two things, which is, how am I doing? And what do you perceive my value that I bring each day to the company? What feedback do you have for me? Where could I be digging in more? What are the things that I'm already doing really well? And I think overall value of the role, right? Like understand... This landscape is so interesting that we are in because I think financial performance of organizations is more top of mind than ever for people, right? They want to know that their company is performing and they want to understand kind of where they fit in. I think understanding where you fit into the goals, right? You've got some strategic objectives as an organization. If those strategic objectives are published, which I hope that they are, figure out kind of where your role fits in. Where do you fit into those strategic objectives? How could you be making sure that People are seeing the value of the work that you're doing every day, but you also understand where your value plugs in, especially as you're talking to you know more senior leaders in the organization. They're going to say, do you understand kind of how you fit into this big goal that we have for the year? And I think that can really help drive kind of those conversations in the right direction. So I think really starting with, again, the market value data, that is like foundational to any of those conversations. But there's kind of this like squishy part of value, right? Where it's not just about that base compensation, but it's almost tied to how is the company valuing your role? How do they value your kind of performance skills, tenure, whatever the case might be? And using those check-ins, the review conversations, the one-on-one conversations you're having as an opportunity to ask that question, I think could be really powerful. Earlier, you mentioned a few states that have implemented laws that require salaries to be posted on job listings. I know Colorado, I believe, was the first. I think New York maybe just did it. I think I just saw that in the news, which is honestly really cool because it it forces a lot of employers to put it on there, whether, especially if those are like remote jobs. And then I'm also on the downside, say, this job isn't open to residents of Colorado, which is interesting of itself. That's how much they don't want to list it. How are these laws beneficial to employees and employers? Yeah, I want to hit on something that you said first, and then I'll get into kind of the core of the question, which is like, we've seen companies try to avoid hiring remote workers in those states, right, with pay transparency laws in place. And this tactic will not work for long. I think as the laws continue to go into effect in more states across the country, organizations are significantly shrinking their talent pool by doing that. And so I think that we have seen companies do that. Again, I think that tactic won't work for long. And so really kind of getting core to what your comp strategy is internally will be really key. I think pay transparency makes the employee's job search and the company's recruiting process so much more efficient. I think candidates will really only pursue roles, right, where they feel like they'll be fairly compensated. And maybe they won't kind of waste time where they would have otherwise talking to companies that might be below their threshold, or maybe that aren't sharing a salary range at all. I think about you know, candidates in the market, I think pay transparency gives that confidence to speak to and speak really openly about expectations around pay. I think that shifts the burden to companies and employers, right? To determine the pay range based off of that external market data that we've talked about and internal equity and internal of the company. So going back to kind of the pay equity piece that we talked about too, rather than employees having to initially kind of voice an expectation based off of current salary which, you know, I think over time allows those pay gaps to persist. So 
I think that is kind of a huge benefit for job seekers. I think if I think about benefits for kind of current employees, you see that those pay transparency requirements help current employees determine if they're being paid fairly. So is their salary in line with the range that goes live on that job posting? Should they be asking for a raise? Should this be their time to move on to the next kind of high paying opportunity? I think those are really powerful questions. And I think, again, in order for companies to really figure that out and to pursue pay transparency in a really authentic way, employers have to spend time evaluating the current state of their roles in the organization, standardizing the pay practices and philosophies. That might mean giving pay increases to current employees to correct any inequities before you go live with ranges on job postings. Just transparency, if I think from kind of a company point of view, it improves recruiting, it improves the recruiting process. I think it improves retention. Again, it helps your employees feel more engaged. It forces organizations, I think, to have a really well-thought-out approach and a data-driven approach. And that means that compensation ultimately is more fair and it's more proactive than reactive. I think so so much historically, um, there's so much kind of reactivity in the space instead of kind of a more proactive approach. And I think overall, we're starting to see that pay transparency and just transparency in general has been shown to have a positive impact on job satisfaction, on engagement, on overall productivity. And I think that's tied to an inherent trust where when you're you know, a little bit more transparent, there's more trust built with your employees and within the organization. I think there's, it's so powerful. I just think it is such a powerful concept. Yeah, I think that's an interesting call out. Employers that list that are out of the gate before you're even an employee being transparent, right? So that could signal things to come if you were to take a job there about in terms of idea of transparency. Absolutely. I, I read it all over social media. Employees want two things, right? They want paid transparency for jobs they're applying for. And they want to stop having to attach their resume and then fill out all the text boxes <laughs> and like, you know, the, the application system. So yeah. let's move into ripped from the headlines. Payscale recently released its retention report. Can you tell us about that report and some of the results? I feel like pay is a big part of why employees aren't staying. Right? Yes, like I, I'll get I a bigger so. bump if I go to somewhere else. So what are you seeing in that report? Yeah, so I'll start kind of with the data behind the report. So we analyzed that crowdsource data from, I think it's over 578,000 US workers who took our salary survey between March of 2018 and March of 2023. And the goal of that was to find out which factors impact retention the most. And then obviously how kind of that pay transparency plays a role. This is the really interesting part. So for a little bit, I think we've been seeing that candidates and employees won't apply for a job unless it includes a job range. The retention report research shows that pay transparency is only significantly effective in retaining talent when it is implemented as part of a total compensation strategy with communication, which means publishing the pay range to job ads that does not alone communicate fairness. And that is not enough. And so employers have to go a step beyond and really tell employees why their pay is fair and bring them along for the journey and be really open about what that looks like. And I think there's something really, really interesting and compelling here. And I think it's a, it is an evolution of kind of where, you know, the next stage of what employees and candidates are expecting. I want Payscale to like buy billboards all around the country and just put that <laughs> fact in there. Employees aren't, we're getting to a point where employees, they aren't going to apply for jobs anymore unless that's listed. You know, it takes a lot of time to apply for a job. And when you just don't know, you don't know if you're walking to something that pays 10% more than you make or 40% less than you make. And you're going to spend all this time in going through interviews just to find out that was a huge waste of your time. 
Absolutely. And I think, you know, if we've learned anything over the last few years, right, we have had to figure out how to integrate work in our lives and all of these things from home. And so compensation is a really big part of that journey. And trust with your employer is a massive, massive part of that journey. And I think transparency and pay transparency specifically plays a big role. So that retention report's posted on Payscale's website for people to check out. It is. I highly recommend everybody checking it out. All right. Well, I'm going to dig in there as well. (laughs) I want to ask you this question as a CHRO of Payscale. This sort of relates to pay, but definitely to your HR role, this term of quiet quitting. It's sort of lost its fire, but every time I hear it, it's just, it's frustrating, right? This feels like a term that was created not by employees, right? This is, the term means coming in and doing your job as assigned. You're quietly quitting if you're not constantly going above and beyond, right? Living that hustle mentality, right? It puts the responsibility on the employee to do more without the compensation or the benefits or the rewards, right? For me, quiet quitting needs to hold a mirror up to employers and ask, what they can be doing to motivate their employees to go above and beyond, right? If there's no reward, why do it? So tell me what you think about this term, quiet quitting. I think so much of what you just said, you nailed it. Just in terms (laughs) of kind of what I think. So I think let's like, let's go back in time a little bit, right? We go kind of pre-2020. And I think hustle culture was huge. I came up in the workforce in hustle culture, right? Like, boss culture, hustle culture, whatever you want to call it, right? Like it was a go above and beyond, do whatever you got to do, put in hours and hours and hours of work. In 2020, we all had to figure out it was not work-life balance anymore. It is about integrating your life every day into also being working. I think we've all had the like, how do you separate the fact that a lot of us are working from home with the fact that all you get to do to leave work at the end of the day is shut your laptop and move to the next room. And so many of us have struggled with that. And I think also we've struggled to figure out what does that balance look like and how do we integrate our work and our life together? And a part of that, I think, is that people learned really quickly that they wanted to reprioritize how they were spending their time. Being at home, kind of in your own home with I call my husband my coworker. So with my yes. coworkers. You know yes. what I did is I actually put a coworker of the, the month every month and it rotated between our pictures and then our dogs, whoever yes. we thought had the best one. I think that's right. I think that's right. I also call our cats the coworker system. Once in a while we got a coworker jumping up in front of the laptop. Not today, thankfully, but but I think so much of that, right? Like you are at home, you are thinking about your priorities and your boundaries and what is healthy for you. And you know, mental health has been a huge focus. And so I think tying it all the way back to quiet quitting, a lot of us revisited those boundaries and what that looked like for us over the last few years and decided what was important and what wasn't. And we saw that with whether you want to call it the great resignation or reconsideration or whatever the case might be, people decided I'm done with where I was before. I'm moving on to the next thing because I've decided for my own personal values, that's the right thing for me. So whether that's compensation driven or not, you know, those were folks' choices. And so I think if we look at quiet quitting, To me, that is a sign of disengagement at your organization. If you have people saying, I don't feel motivated to go above and beyond, number one, it is okay for people to set boundaries. And so if you have employees that are setting boundaries within their day-to-day and their work, ask them what they need more of from you as a leader, or if you are on the HR team, ask them how they're feeling, what made that shift, what's a driver for them, right? I think asking those questions in the same way that I think earlier I said, employees and candidates should be curious, 
managers, leaders, HR teams, comms teams, they should be curious as well, right? What is motivating you day to day? And I think it signifies kind of people reevaluating what is the most important to them in their day to day and their life and at work. And if you've got folks who maybe were going significantly above and beyond, and now you feel like they've quiet quit, which is not a terminology I use in my day to day, but some people are still using, you should be asking questions why? What's motivating them? And one, you should feel comfortable if they want to do exactly what their job says that they should do kind of day in and day out. But I think you should also be asking questions around what can we do to make sure that you are really engaged in the work that you're doing and support you going above and beyond when you have to. I think back to what I said right before you started speaking was, if they say, why aren't they motivated? Why aren't they going above and beyond? Turn that mirror around and look at yourself and go, what yes. can we be doing to motivate yes. people to go above and beyond? And financial incentive or an extra week off, you know, if you get 10% above your sales goals or whatever it is, there can be incentives there and everyone wins on that. Yes, 100% yeah. agree. Yeah. Let's move into our last segment, asking for a friend. Who's asking for a friend? Hey... Asking for a friend. Let's say you have every CHRO listening to this. What would you say to them to get them to implement pay transparency? Yeah, I think transparency is currency is probably where I would start, right? I think transparency is becoming a baseline within your organizations. It is becoming a baseline expectation of employees and candidates. And so if you think about pay transparency moving forward, it is a huge part of that, feeling really confident. And I think it can feel scary if you are a CHRO or a leader of HR at a company and you've not been transparent. It can feel overwhelming of where to start. And I think the best place to start is understand your current state. Know where your employees are, understand the market data, understand how they're paid. That is the most sane kind of place to start. And then just start small with places where you can build from, right? So maybe that's educating people on how you make comp decisions. And you need to start there. And you need to work behind the scenes and kind of get your house in order before you're more transparent. It's okay to start small, but start somewhere. And start the journey because I think these conversations aren't going away. And transparency can be so powerful when used in the right way. And it doesn't always mean telling everybody everything. But it means being really transparent about the principles you're using to make decisions, um, the things that you're weighing, and anything that might be relevant to the questions that you're getting, whether about pay or not. What does that mean? Pay transparency as currency or compensation. But what does that mean? Could you explain that? Yeah. Yeah. I think about transparency. I'm starting to think about it. This is like an ever-evolving kind of thought process. So you're getting a window into my brain. But I, I just think that transparency is part of the rewards package, whether it's monetary and non-monetary, right? It is part of an employee experience. And the more transparent you can be at different stages, the better. Because I think anyone knows if you are an HR person on this call, the minute that you extend an offer to someone, you are starting to build or break trust with the person in the organization. And every event that you have after that is, again, an opportunity to build or to chip away at that trust. And so if I think about why employees are leaving companies, right? If we're not transparent around decisions, we're not transparent around compensation, We've chipped away at that trust for a long time. And, you know, people leave companies for a lot of different reasons. I think we are still seeing compensation as one of the major factors of people leaving. And if you haven't built up kind of that currency with your employees, you're missing an opportunity, I think, to build and maintain and sustain the trust. Wow. This has been 
so amazing, Lexi. I just have really enjoyed talking to you. I've learned a ton and I really hope that all of our listeners maybe listen to this more than once. So really take a lot out of that. Thank you so much for coming today and, and, and talking with me. Before I let you go, is there a place where our listeners can find you and maybe reach out if they want to follow up? Yeah, absolutely. Please reach out on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is one of my primary kind of social platforms right now. And I am just Lexi Clark on LinkedIn. Clark has me on the end. And then you can find kind of anything about us at Payscale, payscale payscale.com, at Payscale on Twitter, and then Payscale is on LinkedIn as well. So follow along for our journey. We're posting great snippets and ways to stay up to date with anything that's evolving in the compensation and reward space. Yeah, it sounds like Payscale should be, you know, we go to LinkedIn to find jobs or Indeed or wherever, and then we should go into Payscale as we're applying to evaluate pay. Absolutely. I'm going to start working on my Payscale at T-shirt as soon as we get off of this. I want one of those. I'll represent (laughs) the Midwest. I'll get it out there in the Midwest. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me, Lexi. Thank you so much for having me. It was awesome. Thank you for listening to the Cohesion Podcast, brought to you by Simpler, the leading AI-powered employee experience platform. We are on a mission to transform the work experience for billions of people across the world. Organizations use our products to deliver personalized experiences that inspire and engage their employees. When work is good, life is better. Learn more at simpler.com. That's S-I-M-P-P-L-R dot com. To all of our listeners out there, thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, make sure to hit subscribe, leave a review, and head over to www.simpler.com slash podcast for more information. Until next time, you're listening to the Cohesion Podcast, brought to you by Simpler. See you in the next episode.